0: Now the writer of today's gospel from the gospel of Luke, it's clear he was speaking to as divided a country as we find ourselves in today. The Pharisees and the lawyers denied baptism from John, and now just as they deny Jesus. In that time's equivalent to a Twitter tweet storm or an avalanche of Facebook comments, Jesus adapts a child's schoolyard taunt to shame the unbelieving Pharisees. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not weep. Have you ever found yourself in front of a crowd where no matter what you do, it's not good enough? That's the kind of situation that Jesus alludes to here. We played the flute for you. That is, we invited you to the wedding. We wanted to spread joy but you sat there. Then at the other extreme, we wailed, Like one wails at a funeral, yet you didn't weep with us. No matter what the righteous of Israel did, to the officials it was never good enough. And when you think about it, that kind of captures the state of our national discourse today. No matter what one side says, the other denies it. Good news or bad, nothing's ever enough. And Jesus saw it for the toxic state of affairs that it was and still is. And he calls it out. Now, first, he points out the absurdity of their position. John the Baptist lived the ascetic life. No bread, no wine, and elsewhere we learn that he subsists on desert insects and creepy crawlies. But they say he has a demon. And Jesus, the Son of Man, well, he associates with the impure. He's seen eating and drinking, and he gets labeled a drunkard and a glutton. Again, nothing's ever good enough. How often in our lives do we lock down on a worldview that is so fixed, so tied to our sense of who we are, that it cannot withstand any kind of challenge? In fact it becomes like a protective shell, safety for our believer our beliefs, repelling anything that doesn't agree. It's so easy to surround ourselves with people and with sources of news and social media feeds and organizations, and among those I include churches, by the way, that feed only into our worldview, that strengthen our protective shell. I wonder how much freer our life might be if we discarded that shell or at a minimum allowed it to break down a little, listen to a different source of news, make some different friends, Last fall and spring, a number of us worked our way through the Episcopal Church's Sacred Ground Learning Series. It's focused on the largely untold stories of racism and classism in the broader American story. We learned about and discussed the previously unknown plights of the Chinese in California, of Mexicans in Texas, Native Americans across the country. We learned of the Japanese internment during World War II and how it touched us here in Arkansas. We learned about white privilege. We also learned about white disadvantage. We learned so much more. And each week as we met, we kind of girded ourselves for another attack on our worldview of who we thought we were. And not that we had committed those sins, but that our sin was our ignorance of those events. How could we have not known about that? Why weren't we ever courageous enough to dig deeper? I mean, the passing of the Trail of Tears in nearby Cadron Ridge is an excuse to learn more, isn't it? Why didn't we take that? You see, even in our own little progressive bubble, that is, to a certain extent, Conway, and to a greater extent, St. Peter's, we fall into the trap of our hardened worldview. As hard as we may think, we're not doing that. You see, we seek refuge in sameness, We seek shelter in our shared worldview, And in today's gospel, Jesus is calling us to reject divisions of all kinds. Just as he taunts the Pharisees and the scribes with schoolyard barbs, he wants us to come out from under our shells, literally, to dance with them at the wedding, to wail with them at the funeral, even if it's people we don't agree with or people that we completely disagree with. You see, because these divisions are not real. They're illusions when we put on a kingdom of God lens, And Jesus ends the reading with, nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Last Sunday, Peggy preached about wisdom. She opened with a clever remark that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. And it was one of the more memorable ways she helped us understand the difference between knowledge and wisdom. For me, though, the most memorable comparison was in the close of her sermon. Taken from the book, The Tao of Pooh, that is, Wendy the Pooh, the definition is the difference between knowledge and wisdom is compassion. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is compassion. So when Jesus says, nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children, he's telling us that wisdom's children, children like us, have compassion. And that's the vindication. That's the victory. Compassion reaches across the divide, seeks first to understand, is slow to judge. Compassion takes us out of our hardened worldview and invites us, in fact, it demands of us to see the other side. No, no, more than see, compassion insists that we actively reach across the divide and understand. Wisdom is vindicated by all her children, all her children, including us. Amen.